0: letter to go from one congregation to another to another to be read, to be poured over, and in the letter, he's dealing with a huge issue that has cropped up in the church, or in the churches, I should say, and what he does is he deals with the issue by applying what? The mystery of Christ, the narrative of God's redemptive plan. You know, here's an issue. So he doesn't just throw some uh, proof text at the issue and just say, "Well, remember these verses." No, he deals with them in what, uh, as a res- in response, he he writes out, actually gives us his intelligence of the mystery of Christ in responding to what the issue is. So it's uh, it's basically what we call text based preaching. We go through paragraphs of Scripture. We take them in context. Now, one thing that I'm going to do is I'm going to bring in uh, some other Scriptures that help explain what he's saying, because Galatians is dense. It's a very dense letter, and one reason for that is because Paul has already preached the gospel to these Christians, so, you know, he sometimes he uses kind of like shorthand language to bring up what he's already preached to them before. So we might bring in scriptures from Romans or something like that, but they are to explain what he's saying in Galatians. Amen. So some of the messages will be short because we're going to deal with some short paragraphs. Some might be longer. Actually, some of the short paragraphs might have Multiple messages to them because, like I said, he writes so densely. He brings in things that uh, kind of just blow your mind. And, you know, looking back over 2,000 years, you've had theologians and preachers wrestling with what he wrote to these people back in the first century. Amen. So, what I want to do in this introduction is I want to give you what I call the setup. Because like I said, there's an issue that cropped up in the churches, and I I want to kind of lay a foundation before we actually head into the book of Galatians. So you don't have to turn there, but I'm going to go through a couple scriptures out of the book of Acts, actually several scriptures, to give you a sense of the foundation and what's going on and why Paul wrote Galatians in the first place. And the first thing to know or recognize is what he preached. Now listen to these verses. This is from Acts 9.22. This is back when uh, Luke refers to him as Saul. Luke writes, But Saul increased all the more in strength and confounded the Jews who lived in Damascus by proving that Jesus was the Christ. Now that's, uh, I can't tell you how important that is, that Jesus was the Christ, and Paul or Saul here is proving that, and he's proving that to who? He's proving that to the Jews. So, you know, uh, it's not explicit in the scripture, but you can understand that he's not just saying, hey, take my word for it, Jesus was the Christ. And Christ, by the way, is another name for Messiah. No, he's going back to Old Testament Scripture, and he's proving to the Jews that Jesus, this man who, what, who was raised in Nazareth, was actually Israel's Messiah. Going on to Acts 17, Luke writes, And Paul went in, as was his custom, and on three Sabbath days he reasoned with them from the scriptures. Again, he's going to the Jews, explaining and proving that it was necessary for the Christ. Notice there he says, the Christ, the Messiah to suffer and to rise from the dead, and saying, this Jesus whom I proclaim to you is the Christ. This final one that I have, uh, Acts 18.5, when Silas and Timothy arrived from Macedonia, Paul was occupied with the word testifying to the Jews that Christ was Jesus. So from those three verses, you get an idea of what his preaching was about the Lord Jesus Christ, that Jesus, this man who was born, um, born in Bethlehem, raised in Nazareth, was actually Israel's Messiah. And that becomes crucial in the book of Galatians. Now, there's another aspect about Paul's preaching that I want to bring out, because, again, this is the setup for the introduction um, of going into the book of Galatians. In Acts 13, 32, Luke writes, and we bring you, actually, this is Paul uh, speaking And we bring you the good news that what God promised to the fathers. Now stop right there and think about that a minute. What God promised to the fathers. Now Gentile Christians, we don't have any fathers. In Ephesians, Paul wrote that we were outside the commonwealth of Israel without hope and without God in the world. We don't have any patriarchs. We don't have any Messiah. And Paul here is preaching, he says, what God promised to the fathers, he's talking about the patriarchs in Israel. Verse 33 says, This he has fulfilled to us their children by raising Jesus, as also it is written in the second psalm, You are my son, today I have begotten you. And you can see from verse 33 where he's quoting the second psalm, he's going back to Old Testament scripture to prove what? That Jesus was a Christ. But I want you to notice that he said what God promised the fathers. And then, uh, well, in that same address, uh, backing up to Acts thirteen twenty-six, Paul writes, Brothers, sons of the family of Abraham and those among you who fear God to us has been sent the message of this salvation. Notice that he is, again, he's preaching to the Jews, and that becomes a big part of Galatians. Acts 24, verses 14 to 15. Uh, Paul is testifying before Felix the governor, and he says, But this I confess to you, that according to the way, the way was what uh, Christians were called very early on, which they call a sect, I worship the God of our fathers, Notice that he's telling Felix, and this is post resurrection I worship the God of Israel, the God of our fathers, believing everything laid down by the law and written in the prophets. Now, that becomes a big thing in Galatians, too. Notice Paul's mindset is what he's saying. He's like, I'm not preaching anything really brand new that nobody's ever heard of before. In fact, uh, I'm believing everything laid down by the law and written in the prophets, having a hope in God, which these men, speaking of the Jews themselves, accept that there will be a resurrection of both the just and the unjust. Now he's before King Agrippa, and he says, And now I stand, this is Acts twenty-six six. And now I stand here on trial because of my hope in the promise made by God. Look at this. To our fathers. Again, this gives us a an idea of where Paul's preaching. This is Acts 26. This is close to the end of the book. And he still he still is referring to God fulfilling promises made all the way back in the Old Testament. Let me give you one more. Acts 28 23. When they had appointed a day for him, they came to him at his lodging in greater numbers. It's talking about Paul. He's under house arrest. From morning till evening, he expounded to them, testifying to the kingdom of God, trying to convince them about Jesus, both from the law of Moses and from the prophets. And that becomes huge in the book of Galatians, of all things. So, you see what Paul is doing. He's going back to the Old Testament. Now, the Old Testament is called, there's two pronunciations. It's called the Torah, or the modern version is Torah. And that can mean one of two things, actually. It can mean the five uh, books, first books of the Old Testament, which is referred to as the Law of Moses. We just read that, the Law of Moses. And then sometimes the Torah is referred to as just the Hebrew scriptures, basically the whole Old Testament. You have the law, the prophets, and what they would call the writings, like uh, Psalms and Proverbs. So, uh, So when in Acts 28, he's trying to convince them about Jesus from both the law of Moses and from the prophets. Well, that's the Torah. You could say, uh, well, that's the Torah, both the Law of Moses and the Prophets put together. Now, wh- one thing I want to get over here is, you know, modern Christianity, uh, you know, we have we have little proof texts and isolated prophecies. You know, we go back to the Old Testament and say, well, here, you know, uh, unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and then we have, you know... Uh, some proof texts here and there, especially around Christmas from the Old Testament. Well, that's not what Paul is doing. Paul is talking about the promises that God made to what? The fathers, the patriarchs. And he's testifying, he's preaching that they have now been fulfilled all in Jesus, and he calls Jesus the Christ, Jesus, Israel's Messiah. And all this background is needed in order to really get a good start in the book of Galatians. Now, that is the background of Paul's preaching. Let me bring to you the issue that crops up, and it's over in Acts 15, verses 1 through 5. Now, let me just clarify this. Acts 15, 1 through 5 uh, may or may not be the the, uh, the people that Paul is dealing with in Galatians, but it's the issue that he's dealing with in the book of Galatians. Let me read. But some men came f- down from Judea and were teaching the brothers. Some men come from uh, Judea, they're Jews, and were teaching the brothers, they're Christians. Brothers are Christians because we're one family in God. And they say, unless you are circumcised according to the custom of Moses, you cannot be saved. Now, notice the context here. Men came down from Judea. This is Acts 15. This is post-resurrection. And we're teaching the brothers. The brothers, uh, Luke calls them the brothers, they're already Christians. And these guys are coming up and saying, unless you're circumcised according to the custom of Moses, you cannot be saved. Now we can get into circumcision, Uh, we will get into circumcision down into Galatians, but circumcision was a sign of the covenant. Started with Abraham, but notice here that they don't say Abraham, they say according to the custom of Moses. That's important, and that's important to keep, keep in mind as we dig into Galatians. That will come up again. Uh, I just want to point out there's no mention of Abraham here, but we're going to read all about Abraham in Galatians. So verse two it says, "And after Paul and Barnabas had no small dissension and debate with them." This is this is the uh, the, the boiling pot of Galatians right here. After Paul and Barnabas had no small dissension and debate with them, Paul and Barnabas and some of the others were appointed to go up to Jerusalem to the apostles and the elders about this question. Question was, you know, do do believers have to become circumcised in order to be saved? So being sent on their way by the church, they passed through both Phoenicia and Samaria, describing in detail the conversion of the Gentiles. Notice that, the conversion of the Gentiles. And brought great joy to all the brothers. Now, when they came to Jerusalem, they were welcomed by the church and the apostles and the elders, and they declared all that God had done with them, because they're preaching to Gentiles, they're preaching to non-Jews. But here's verse 5, and verse 5 is where this is kind of like the climax of the issue uh, before we dive into the actual text. It says, but some believers, notice that these are believers, But some believers who belonged to the party of the Pharisees rose up and said, it is necessary to circumcise them. They're speaking of the Gentile Christians. It is necessary to circumcise them and to order them to keep the law of Moses. Now, step back from that just a few minutes. uh, Well, a few steps, I mean. And... You know, do we see anything like that today? Do we see altar calls where after, you know, the prayer of salvation is prayed, that uh, the preacher says, okay, all you male believers, go over to our surgical room and uh, you're all gonna get circumcised because that's necessary for you to be saved. Now, we don't see that. And we don't see that because of Paul's letter to the Galatians. But you see that some believers, and here, uh, former, well, who belonged to the party of the Pharisees, uh, in the Greek it says, out from the Pharisees, rose up and said, oh, uh, all of you male members and, you know, female believers indirectly, it's necessary to circumcise you and to order you to keep the law of Moses. Amen. So that's the issue that Paul deals with and like I said he doesn't throw any proof text at the Galatians and actually he doesn't say uh this is this is a small problem don't worry about it no it's huge it's absolutely huge. So that is the setup and uh with that setup let me give you some historical mistakes about the book of Galatians before we uh Well, I'll give you some historical mistakes, and I'll give you some takeaway truths um, to finish off this introduction. The first historical mistake is that Galatians is not written about how to be saved or the relationship of faith versus works. You hear that all the time, and works is not uh, the Jews, let me say this, the Jews were not trying to achieve or work out their own salvation. And God did not bait people to say, okay, well, here's the law, nobody can keep the law, so ha-ha on you, you have to get saved through the Lord Jesus Christ. That has nothing to do with the law. As you can see uh, with, the, uh, with the verses that I've quoted out of Acts, Paul actually goes back and says, no, God has fulfilled promises made in the Old Testament to the fathers in the Old Testament. So we're going to get into that. The second historical mistake is that Paul is not ranking two religious groups against each other. He's not favoring Christianity over Judaism. That's just not in the equation. That has nothing to do with the book of Galatians. He's not offering something called Christianity in opposition to something called Judaism. The third historical mistake is thinking that, like, this believing Pharisee was somehow religious, some kind of legalist. Again, that has nothing to do with Galatians and Paul's um, expounding on the redemptive narrative in the book. And then lastly, uh, the law is not some general moral law. It's Israel's covenant document, the Torah. And that's huge, too, because um, when, when, you get, when you hear some preaching, they try to divvy up uh, the Torah into, well, here's moral law, here's some food laws, here's some festival laws, and that kind of thing. Uh, no, no, those are, those are modern constructs that have nothing to do with Paul's letter. The Torah is the law of Moses or the Hebrew scriptures. I went through that. Now, let me give you three takeaway truths. These are things that are going to become real as we go through the book of Galatians. And man, they're cool. The first one is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of Israel, has done what he has promised. And we saw Paul preaching that in the book of Acts. What's interesting is you don't hear too much about that today, do you, in church or TV or anywhere else. You don't hear preachers getting up and say, God has done what he promised to the fathers of Israel. You don't hear that at all. Well, that's what Paul's main preaching was, as we saw as we go all the way through uh, the book of Acts. Second truth, takeaway truth, is God's Messiah. God's Christ, his Messiah, Jesus, fulfilled the divine purpose for Israel in his death, burial, and resurrection. And I say Israel because Israel, and this is is the big explosive point, really Israel was the means of bringing salvation to the world. Amen. And just to give you a little bit of hint of going into Galatians, when you go back to the Gospels, what do you see? You see Pilate crowning Jesus as king of the Jews. And the Jews come to Pilate and say, oh, no, don't do that, don't do that. You know, you can put a sign up saying, well, this man said he was going to be the king of the Jews, but don't say he's the king of the Jews. And what does Pilate say? He goes, no, I've written what I've written. And that's huge too, because that all fits into the redemptive story. Amen. Let me say this too. This is part of the second truth. It said the Torah has done its job, has done its job, and now has been set aside. Third third takeaway truth is God has recreated the spirits of men as a down payment for the age to come. So we've been saved, but our bodies are not yet redeemed, and we haven't entered into that glorified state yet, but what the Lord has done is He sent the spirit of His Son and recreated the spirits of men as the down payment in the age to come. Amen. Amen. Now, uh, I've made some notes about application for today because the modern notion is you can't preach the the Bible, you can't preach the gospel without having some kind of application. These applications are for the whole book, whole book of Galatians. First one is uh, you're going to see the faithfulness of Christ and how central that is to the gospel. A lot of Bibles, modern Bibles now, have faith in Christ, but when you go back and you read it, it really should read the faithfulness of Christ, and we're going to get into that. That is central to the gospel. The second application is understanding the redemptive narrative. Many of us, uh, because of the preaching and because of topical sermons and the and the rest, we know that we need to be saved. We we know that we need to be filled with the Spirit. And we know that we need to live as good Boy Scouts and Girl Scouts in the world, and that's about it. Well, you're going to understand the narrative. Amen. It really helps your understanding, and it helps your walk. You're also going to understand the centrality of Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. And finally, you're going to understand a whole lot more of what being in Christ is all about. Amen. That's central. the book of Galatians. So that finishes off the introduction. Uh, Let me give you a suggestion, and that is with your Bible. A lot of people now, um, a lot of preachers actually, kind of, um, they encourage this. They encourage you to buy paraphrases. Like the message translation is a paraphrase. The Passion Translation is actually a paraphrase. The New Living Translation is a thought-for-thought translation. It's not a word-for-word translation. And so you'll probably not do well with those kinds of translations as we go through the book because, like I said, this is text-based preaching. One problem with thought-for-thought Bibles that can crop up is... uh, the thought that the translators have about the Scripture is different from the thought that Paul had when he wrote them. So, um, you know, you, you take that risk. And sometimes they get it right, sometimes they get it wrong. So, um, I'm going to be preaching from the ESV. That is supposed to be one of the most literal Bibles. I find that it's pretty reliable. Uh, the King James, actually, is also pretty reliable. It just has some archaic English in it. Um, Find a translation like that because it will be a whole lot easier to follow along as we dive into the book of Galatians. And let me say this, I don't know how many messages we're going to have, but it's going to be one of the most rewarding things that you do is to go through an entire book and follow through Paul's thinking in addressing this problem that this believing Pharisee, at least what we read in verse 5 and Acts 15, That if you are a Gentile and you've been saved, uh, you need to get circumcised and you need to keep the law of Moses. Amen. So that's the end of the introduction. Um, Looking forward to getting into the actual text of Galatians um, chapter 1, verse 1. So until then, God bless and uh, see you in the next message.